Hey, hey, welcome to the Social Innovation Lab, a podcast dedicated to making sure you're in the know with everything happening on social media. Social Innovation Lab. I'm your host, Claudia Cameron, and today we have the opportunity to talk to one of the best social performance marketeers in the world, Rianne Ryan. She's the SVP of Paid Social for the Americas at MediaMonks. She has over 15 years experience of progressive growth in media and marketing. She believes in challenging the status quo by advocating that all marketing is performance marketing when planned, executed and measured effectively. She's here to discuss the impact of new user privacy and how it impacts brands and marketeers. Today, she is joining us from LA. Welcome, Rianne. Thank you so much for having me today. Really nice to have you here. We are going to talk about paid social today and specifically what's happening with the Apple iOS update and how this has really affected brands and marketeers because I know you know so much about this. So I'm really curious as to your thoughts. Absolutely. What isn't talked about enough is kind of the big picture, right? So what's actually going on and how did we get here and, and what is the larger context to help us understand understand what does this all mean, right? In early internet days, for as long as people have needed to navigate the vastness of the internet, we've used web browsers, right? And these browsers have really become like the Trojan horse for our big, you know, modern day tech titans, all who are really gunning for internet dominance, which comes by way of browser users and market share. And now fast forward to 2008, when Google introduced Chrome, they've really grown to dominate to something like 65% global market share. And that's huge because just in second is Apple's Safari, which lags behind and is only about 20% market share. And so this is really important because what happens within the browser environment is essential to their businesses, right? Because what browsers do is they are capturing cookie data. And the more people that are using your browser means there is more cookie data for you to access, which means there is more intelligence for you to package up in order to sell targeted advertising. And while the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons of the world are truly driving forces in terms of innovation, at the core of their business, they sell advertising. (laughs) And so what's essential to, to recognize with iOS 14 and this update is it's been a massive move that kind of doubles down on the assets that they do have, which is mobile web, mobile app. But the majority of activity happening on your mobile device is through apps. And no joke, like 99.99999% of social is mobile apps. And so this was a a huge strategic move for Apple to double down on the platform that has always been what they were about, which is privacy, but also kind of, you know, thwart a lot of Facebook's dominance as well as Google's dominance in terms of targeted advertising. And so the technical specifics of what the iOS update is, is it's essentially killing the unique identifiers that allow for inter-mobile device targeting and measurement. So once you update the operating system on your device and you download an app, it gives you an option to opt in for tracking or opt out. And right now it's averaging around 
41%, I believe, in the U.S. that are opting out of inter-app tracking. That's huge. It, it is. It's huge. And there are a series of major ones that are going to significantly impact not just mobile web, but all web tracking. Um, and that is for another conversation altogether. But the, the takeaway here is, you know, social is taking a huge hit in terms of our ability to measure performance the way we used to. And the way we were able to target our audience the way we used to. And so we really need to rethink how we are operating in social to be able to provide an ROI with a certain level of confidence to know that our campaigns are working, our ads are working, and our investment is performing to business outcomes. Do you have any tips for brands on how to make that up for that 41%? Yes. And, and here's the challenge. What can we do today to address and overcome the challenges that are put in front of us today. But let's take a step back because this isn't the end-all be-all. There's going to be more tomorrow and then the day after that, right? We are going to be in this state of constant change and constant combating of the losses that we're feeling from a targeting and a measurability standpoint. And so I think how I'll kind of frame it up is there are a few things that can and should be done from a tactical standpoint that are beneficial to understand what's going on from a targeting and performance standpoint today, but are also the foundation of thinking longer term to how do we need to operate so that we can mitigate for the losses that we know are coming. So I think first and foremost, and this is something that D2Cs have nailed from day one, is first party data. What are you capturing from your audience? What is the reciprocal value of exchange? And how are you enabling that opted in conversation with the people that you're trying to reach in order to target, use those audiences for modeling and for measurement? And so that was important before, and it's going to be even more important as we move forward. The real key there is the reciprocal value exchange, because me and everyone I know in my personal spheres and my professional spheres and all the spheres in between spend a whole lot of time on social. What's becoming very common is you click on an Instagram ad and you're taken to a website and say, ooh, look at these nice pants. Ooh. <laughs> Immediately, you've got a window pop up. They want your email address. What they're trying to do is capture a one-to-one customer ID that says with a level of confidence that you are the same person as X amount of other records in their system, right? But it's kind of obtrusive and weird because really when you're clicking on an Instagram ad and, you know, taking the leap to navigate out of the feed onto their website, it's like going on a first date, right? Equate it to that. And now you're asking all of this personal information and you want me to commit to what? You're going to send me text messages with offers forever? (laughs) And so... That's kind of getting tired, right? So we really need to up-level and think about what is the reciprocal value exchange beyond 10% off your first order. It's got to be something more to really get someone to opt in in a meaningful way. And I think that is going to become increasingly important as consumers get more and more annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What's interesting is there's a resurfacing 
of these new old ways of measuring. They've always been around, but they've kind of gone out of favor because we had easier, more direct ways. We had click paths so we could look at whether it's last click attribution or a bit more of a sophisticated MTA model to understand the series of consumer touch points that resulted in the end conversion. And this is very true in the world of performance marketing become very reliant on this access to click pathing and data streams that expose a lot of um, what the user is doing in terms of interacting with our brand and our content, but as well as the, the larger kind of vastness of the, of the interwebs, right? And so philosophically, the question I ask myself, and I've been a performance marketer since very early days, I don't want to age myself, uh, but very early on when this was all just kind of starting. And I ask myself, did we ever truly have the right to have that level of access and understanding of the steps that they took before performing an action? I think philosophically as an industry, we need to take a few steps back and recognize that what we had, we were a little bit spoiled. It made it very easy for us. And now we have to perhaps put on more of our, I joke, but the, our madmen hats and recognize that we can't be so reliant on this precision targeting or retargeting, right? We now have to come back to this place where we're really putting onus on the creative to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And what's essential to that is understanding our audience, not just how our audience relates to us when they're thinking of purchasing our product or a competitor's product, but how does the people that we're trying to reach, our audience, how do their lives kind of play out in a 360 way? And how do we surround them in creative and additive ways so that they think positively about our brand, whether they're in market or not, mm -hmm. so that when they are triggered to become in market, we've already earned that equity with them and we're top of mind. And I think that's the kind of hat that we have to put on in addition to our performance marketing I hats. And I don't believe in this divide between what is brand marketing and what is performance marketing. I believe that we have about three seconds to make a good impression. And if we're not coming in and showing up strong with who we are and what we're about and what yeah. significance or relevance we have to that person in that moment in their life, we're just making noise, right? Yeah. So I think the onus is on this collaboration between brand and between performance and between all of the brilliant minds to come together and make meaningful impact. And meaningful isn't about what we as a brand want to say. Meaningful is how do we add to the consumer's life in a positive way? How do we make it easier for them? How do we make it better for them? What's that intersection? Let's find it that. and do it. And maybe if we can maybe put that in like three kind of takeaways for the audience, what would be kind of your main three things that if we're going to succeed at this, if we're going to really make an impact in those first three seconds? I would say this, the role of data and its ability to understand our audience has to be at the forefront of everything that we do. And data for the sake of data is a wash. It's got to be bespoke data, but there's a, there's a real resurgence in market research and using it in ways that are going to really lay a solid 
groundwork for a 360 understanding of our audience, not just a sliver of the audience's life that we want to kind of show up and be relevant for. We want to understand them in a much bigger and a much deeper way so that we don't just influence one transaction. We are sowing the seeds of lifetime value and a long-term relationship in which there is a reciprocal value exchange from us to them that keeps them with us regardless of other factors that inevitably play out. So I think first and foremost, it's that depth of understanding and that depth comes at a cost. You know, these are big ticket items in terms of research that we've not had to invest in previously, but we do now. And when we don't, it's going to be apparent when we're failing at that three second window to impress, right? I love that. And I think this is very interesting, but as these platforms are taking away data, it's forcing us to become more comfortable making decisions with less direct data. And so these new old ways of measuring are coming to light in, you know, having a lot of conversations these days about incrementality and testing to demonstrate lift. It's been a while since that's been part of the conversation, but now there's this resurgence and it's different, but not that different. So it's the same premise, right? And also a lot of talk of unified marketing measurement. So kind of like a step up from traditional media mix modeling is looking at how we kind of code the data and build out models, attribution models to measure what had happened, how we look back in order to then look forward. And that's really important because we need to have that basis of unified performance data, not just performance data, but you know full scale access to normalized data in order to build out projections of what could happen and scenario plan and forecast. And that's when the econometrics comes in. And, you know, the econometrics modeling is really understanding the relationship between the data in order to uh, scenario plan in a way that is accounting for variables that are inconceivable of our, you know, in our minds. So we can plug and play and understand if then scenarios so that we can be able to invest intelligently and plan our marketing programs in that intelligent way to keep us maintaining that competitive advantage. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for listening and see you next week.